Strategic Living with Brian Holmes. This is a special edition celebrating our nation's freedom. Welcome, everyone, to the program today. My name is Brian Holmes, and you have found the Strategic Living Podcast, where we are all about transforming minds, developing leaders, awakening dreams, activating destinies, and yes, especially today, this July 4th weekend, we're talking about changing nations. It's our desire to see you healed and your mind renewed and transformed. We want to see you discover who you really are and become fully engaged in everything that God himself has placed you in the earth to do. Going to be a great program today. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you. Let's get started, everybody. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. This is July the 3rd. 2015, and this is the weekend that we reflect on and celebrate and consider the wonderful blessing that God has placed upon this nation, the United States of America. And if you are listening to this podcast, and I know there's many of you that do listen from other countries around the world, I would like to ask you to indulge us today as we reflect on a few things that that are on our hearts concerning this wonderful country of America. You know, we live in a very interesting time. And even in recent days and weeks, there have been a number of major news stories as it relates to Supreme Court rulings, laws that have been passed, various people announcing their candidacy for president, people who are throwing their hat in the ring, and they are calling on us, you and I, to rally behind them supporting them in their pursuit of major leadership roles for our nation looking forward. And I don't want to make this episode today about controversial issues, but I would like to very plainly state to you that here at brianholmes.com and here on the Strategic Living Podcast, I believe with everything in my being that we are a nation that is called to serve the agenda of the King. We are a nation, one nation, under God. Our Pledge of Allegiance goes on to say indivisible, which means we don't have the capacity to be divided. And yet, where we stand today, I don't know of a time in my life where our nation has been more divided on more issues. In this episode, what I want to do is I want to revisit a program that we released to you some time ago called God Bless America Again. I want you to consider the the statistics and the facts and the things that we talk about. I want you to consider that this is a nation that was born on Judeo-Christian principles. This is a nation that was birthed out of a desire to have and to experience and to know religious freedoms This is a nation that was built on the premise that all men are created equal. All men, no matter what race, what color, what creed, we all have a place in this country. At the same time, we know that any house divided against itself cannot stand. So my prayer today is that you would consider 
that our nation needs to rally once again. Rally around common principles. Rally around common core values. Rally around the God that we were founded on. It's not about denominations. It's not about religion. It's not about any particular faith or belief system. It's about what does God have for us? What has he called you to? What has he created you to do? And on what principles must we build a nation? I want us to go right now to a previously recorded program called God Bless America Again. It's my desire today to issue a call, a call for us to celebrate, a call for us to pray for our nation, a call for us to bring attention to our need to have God bless our country again. So I want to share with you something today that I believe will be very unique and very special, and I'm going to start this out today by sharing this. America, 
I tell you what, if that doesn't just rock your world, I don't know what does or what would, but what a great rendition of this beautiful song by Ray Charles. And uh, we're going to be posting that YouTube video on the show notes of this show. America, with all of its challenges, with all of its faults even, with all of its struggles that we tend to focus on in the news and on our talk shows, It still remains a shining beacon of hope, a shining beacon of freedom, and a land of tremendous opportunity for those who choose to see it that way. Without question, I believe the U.S. stands as evidence of the grace and the blessing of God in a nation. I've had the privilege over the last 20 years of traveling all over the world, but specifically I've crisscrossed this nation. I believe I've visited probably more than two-thirds of the states in our union. And what I see is a beautiful land, a blessed people, and a nation that God himself has shined down on in such a very special way. Now, over the last 50 years in my lifetime, there has been a very intentional attempt to diminish the light that America has been blessed to know and been blessed and called to shine. The most impressive enemy of our day is not another country. It's not a movement. It's not Islam. It's not Al-Qaeda. The most impressive enemy of our day, the greatest enemy of our nation, is complacency and division. The Bible tells us that a nation that is divided against itself cannot stand. Think about that. A nation that has so much divisiveness and so much strife and so much bickering is sure to fall and to crumble. And never before in our nation's history has there been such division and strife between people groups. 
whether it's Republicans and Democrats, Tea Party versus that party, Libertarians, Independents, Caucasians, African Americans, Blacks, Whites, Hispanics, Latin Americans, Asians, Conservatives, Liberals, Pro-Choice, Pro-Life, Socialist, Capitalists, just such strife, such disunity, vying for position. A nation divided against itself cannot stand. The Bible also talks about unity, and he says that where unity exists, that God commands the blessing. Now, I'm not naive enough to think that in our lifetime we'll ever have everyone agreeing about the same things, but you can have disagreement without constituting disunity. Psalm 133, verse 1 to 3 says, How good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard coming down upon the edge of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion. For there, at the place of unity, the Lord commands the blessing. He commands life forever. You see, where division and strife exist, God does not promise blessing. In fact, it really stands to reason that where division is, God will not involve himself there. Jesus gave us an incredible picture of this when he said that they, talking about the people in the earth, would be one, even as we are one, he and the Father. Our nation's forefathers, with all of their own struggles and issues and faults, and they had many, they found it necessary to come together around a set of values, around a set of principles that would ultimately shape the destiny of a nation. In the precious and amazing document that we call our Declaration of Independence, it states, when in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. 
But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute depotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. This nation, ladies and gentlemen, was born with God himself as a central figure. He was the centerpiece of this new and emerging free society. This nation was born out of a desire to be free of government and religious oppression and to experience a life free to worship, free to build, free to grow, free to follow after the design and intention of God for each and every life. But there is an enemy. It is Satan. He is the enemy of our soul, and he is the enemy of godly nations. He has but one objective, and that is to steal from us, to kill all possibilities, to destroy destinies. He does this using the same old tactics he's always used, divide and conquer, lies and deception, and imposed belief systems that do not in any way align themselves with the truth that God knows about you. Over the last 20 or 30 years, there has been an acceleration of the decline of principal things, biblical things, things like holiness and righteousness, morals and ethics, biblical family models, biblical definition of marriage and family, sexual abstinence outside of marriage, the sanctity of life, ungodly conversations, entertaining ungodly and unrighteous media. All of these things are becoming worse by the day. You see, our nation, this nation, your nation, is in need of revival. Our nation is in desperate need of an encounter at the cross of Christ. Our nation desperately needs to experience the mercy and the love of a heavenly father. Our nation has become so full of pride and so full of arrogance. Our leaders have become righteous in their own eyes. And when that righteousness is measured against the word of God, we recognize very quickly that all have sinned and all of us fall short. A very profound and powerful scripture in Proverbs 14 Verse 34 says this, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. Disgrace, it is the removal of grace. It is the absence of God's grace. Our nation needs God's grace. I believe if you've heard me speak on any occasion, you know that I believe that God's word is true. I believe that his principles, his edicts are good for us. They're good for our nation. They produce life. And in order for things to begin to turn, economies, morals, crime issues to turn, and 
all of the things that we are dealing with as a nation. In order for things to turn around, it will take nothing less than the hearts of men and women turning back to God, turning back to principles that are right for our nation, right for our families, right for us as individuals. Can I just tell you, no president is going to fix the nation. No senator or congressman or woman can provide answers or solutions that will turn a nation. It's for certain that no political party will ever solve the ills of a dying nation. Only the grace of God, only his principles, only his words, and the submitted hearts of men and women who lead from that place can turn a nation. My hope, ladies and gentlemen, does not rest on the agendas or even the policies of men. As an old song says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus and his righteousness. God bless America again. Bring us to a place of repentance where we can once again experience the blessing and the power and the grace of God on our nation. You know, as Americans, we have the amazing privilege of voting every couple of years. Every four years, in fact, we have the right and the privilege to vote for a man or a woman that we wish to lead our nation as president. As Christians, I believe we have an added responsibility, and that is to represent the king, his word, his will, his laws. Yes, we're in this world, and yes, we are subject to the laws, but we are first subject to the king. In the last three presidential elections, less than 40% of Christians who were eligible to vote actually went to the polls. Let me break that down for you. That means greater than 60% of those who profess Christ in any way abdicated their right and their responsibility to elect our leaders. And by doing so, we relented to people who do not hold a biblical worldview or that do not have their hearts focused on the same values that we do concerning the word of God and his principles for our nation. Bible tells us that we are, we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. If we do not preserve or administer our influence in this nation, the only thing we can expect is to be trampled on. Because the Bible says that if the salt has lost its potency or its ability to be administered, it's good for nothing except to be trodden under feet. Ladies and gentlemen, this is exactly what has been happening in our nation for the last 20 years. The Christian church has been silent. Those who have not been completely silent have been accommodating under the guise of being non-confrontational or under the crazy auspices of being politically correct. The future of our nation, our children's future, our grandchildren's future hangs in the balance. Our leadership in the world as a Christian nation, and by the way, we are still a Christian nation, but that leadership is in jeopardy. In 1799, Jedediah Morse said this, 
In proportion as the genuine effects of Christianity are diminished in any nation, either through unbelief or the corruption of its doctrines or the neglect of its institutions, in the same proportion will the people of that nation recede from the blessings of genuine freedom. Whenever the pillars of Christianity shall be overthrown, our present republican forms of government and all the blessings which flow from them must fall with them. That is a prophetic utterance that we see coming to pass even now. You see, government merely reflects what people believe in their hearts. It does nothing to change or to alter those beliefs. So the issue is the hearts of men. The issue is the belief systems that we have adopted, the lies that we have believed. For this to change, we must repent. We have to turn back to God. We must administer the heart of the Father without reservation, without prejudice. We are all born into the family and race God chose for us. We all have our places of indoctrination or racial tendencies or moral propensities, spiritual ideals, philosophical differences. We all have our background. We all have our grid. We have our life history. That of our fathers in many ways shape our belief systems. We have our predispositions, our presuppositions. We even have the attitudes we've been given by our life experiences. However, we have been born again into a kingdom, and we have been born for such a time as this. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the kingdom of God we represent. You see, I don't represent a political party. I do not represent a specific race or creed. I do not represent someone's agenda or someone's idea. I have but one loyalty, and that is that I represent the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It is he that I live to please. It is my Father in heaven whose kingdom and will that I long to see established in the earth. How do I do this? I do it by becoming the man or the woman that he's called me to be and being consistent in that identity and in that purpose. You say, well, Brian, with all that we have going on in our world, how in the world are we supposed to know how to vote? How are we supposed to know how to choose our leaders? Well, it's just obvious. No candidate will ever be perfect. In fact, every candidate is inherently flawed, no matter the office he or she might be running for. A Christian should never vote purely based on party affiliation. And my gosh, it amazes me that we are so quick to hang our hat with this party or that party or that group when they may or may not represent the totality of what it is we believe is important to our Father in heaven. A Christian should vote, should never vote based on race, on religion, or on gender. So many groups vote a certain way because they associate themselves with a particular ideal. A Christian must vote based on their personal views. Many have given their lives for you and I to have that right. Many have literally gone to the battlefield and sacrificed themselves so that you and I would have the privilege to cast a ballot that represents the principles and the values that we hold dear. 
You shouldn't vote based on family history or associated pressures that come with that. We have to vote on principles. We have to vote in alignment with God's word and his laws. A Christian should vote in alignment with the things that actually matter to God. Dr. Benjamin Rush, great founding father, said this in 1786. Nothing can be politically right that is morally wrong. Our strong admonition to you. Be involved. Exercise your voice. Lead by example. And along with me, let us say, God, bless America. God, raise us up again as a leader in this world. God, your blessing rain down on us once again. You know, a familiar passage of Scripture, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 11 to 22 says, Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and king's palace and successfully completed all that he had planned on doing in the house of the Lord and in his palace. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I have heard your prayer. And I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, and if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive attentive to the prayer offered in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. As for you, if you walk before me as your father David walked, even to do according to all that I have commanded you, and will keep my statutes and my ordinances, the things that are important to me, Then I will establish your royal throne as I covenanted with your father David, saying, you shall not lack a man to be ruler in Israel. But watch this. Verse 19, but if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have set before you, and go to serve other gods and worship them, then I will uproot you from my land, which I have given you. And this house which I have consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight, and I will make it a proverb and a byword among all nations. As for this house, which was exalted, everyone who passes by it will be astonished and say, Why has the Lord done thus to this land and to this house? They will say, Because they forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought them from the land of Egypt, and they adopted other gods and worship them and serve them. Therefore, he has brought all this adversity on them. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not here today to to speak a negative word. I am calling on you, calling on my family, calling on those that I know and that I love and care for. Let's turn our hearts back to God. Let's pursue him. Let's call on his name. Let's, Let's begin to care once again about the things that he cares for. Let's begin to take a stand and not be as concerned with being politically correct as we are about pleasing the Heavenly Father. Let us speak the truth in love and let us seek the Lord to bless America again.
For those of us that live here in this great country, I want to just challenge you today to take time and thank God for the blessings that he has bestowed on this great nation. Thank him for freedom. Thank him for the ability to prosper, the ability to do, to start businesses, to write books, to share your love and your hope for mankind with other people. What an amazing 
blessing it is to live in this nation. And I want us to take time today to be grateful. Secondly, I want to challenge you to look at how you can make a difference in our nation going forward. Literally, the future of our nation rests in our hands right now. The choices we are making, the policies we are adopting, the laws we are allowing to be passed by people that we have voted in or allowed to be voted in, the things that we are seeking to experience in our nation by way of God's blessing and his hand on our nation are being interrupted by so many things that are agenda-driven and only we can make the difference. The third thing I want to ask you to do is to pray for our nation. Pray for our president. Pray for our leaders. Pray for those who have influence in key places that they would know the fear of the Lord, that they would have a genuine desire birthed in their hearts to see God's glory and his will and his blessing established in this nation again. I leave you with this. God bless America again. With no offense to any other country in the world, and I've traveled to many of them, 18, in fact. I thank God every day for the United States of America. I thank God every day for the heritage that we have in this country. I thank God every day for the blessing it is to live here with freedom, with the rights, with the blessings, with the prosperity that so many places around the world do not experience and do not know. I want you to join me on this July 4th weekend in celebrating and expressing gratitude for this great country and let us covenant together to pray for our leaders, for our nation, for those that are in positions where they make decisions concerning this nation's future. I want to thank you for joining us today and be sure to check out the show notes for this episode at brianholmes.com. Also, please know that Uh, We would encourage you to share this with your friends and family on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. If you've not already done so, subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or on Stitcher. Also, we encourage you to subscribe to our weekly email updates. Some great information coming at you next week in episode number 91. I hope that you'll join us then. It's going to be an awesome program. Until next time, know this. You are great. You are called to greatness. You have such significance and you have so much to offer the world in which we live. Until next time, may God richly bless you and may you discover all that he has for you in this life. Take care.